Welcome to the Lost Boys of Found Fathers podcast. I'm Gabe O'Sullivan, and joining me is my co-host, Will Haycox. We are men who have suffered the loss of a child, and through this production, we desire to offer encouragement, strength, and hope to our fellow brothers who have traveled the same journey. Welcome, Will. Welcome, Gabe. Good morning, and uh, welcome to episode 18. Thanks, guys. Uh, If you are following along, we just finished up a little series uh, with episode 17 here, we talked about the importance of drawing nearer to God and, and why that is helpful when you have a quiet time. So what we'd like to go now is just kind of uh, just discussing, you know, who who understands my pain. Uh, pain, I think, is typically an isolating experience that you just feel like no one else could possibly understand how I'm experiencing this. You know, I think that's I don't know if I could speak for everyone else, but for me, I've kind of felt that way since I was a child. Like my parents didn't let me go and hang out with the friends I wanted to. No one else could possibly understand how bad I feel right now. Or my parents didn't let me do this or that. No one could possibly understand. Or this girl likes me and or I, I like this girl and she doesn't like me. So, you know, no one else could possibly understand that. So I, I think that's a human thing that we like to think that the way we are perceiving pain and dealing with it is not the same as the way everyone else does. But as a sidebar, this isn't really where we're going. Everybody probably feels pain pretty similarly. You know, if you're if you're dealing with that, you know, adolescent struggles, everyone's probably dealing with it in a in a more similar way than you understand. So uh, don't feel so isolated in your pain. But uh, the question here, like we said, is does anyone understand my pain and we really have just two main points. <clears throat> and the first one is that God knows our pain and he understands. We use this verse, uh, it's Jeremiah 17, 9 through 10 before in, uh, I don't even know, episode 13, 14, 15. But it talks about how God knows our hearts and all we feel. And the verse says, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind I, to give every man according to his ways according to the fruit of his deeds. Romans 8, 26 through 28 tells us, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. But we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. So we know just from those verses, and there's several others, that God is not unable to see our pain and our suffering. He's not indifferent. He knows exactly what we're going through and how we feel. And it's also something that we have access to as Christians that non-Christians don't. It's the help of the Holy Spirit. He's called uh, the paraclete, the helper. The paraclete's the, the Greek word there. And that means like a helper, a, a guide, a comforter. And that's a thing that he does for believers that we may not be aware of all the time, but it's something that like, even it says there in in 26 and 27 of of Romans eight, that even when we're hurting so deeply that we really don't even know how to pray or what to pray for, that the spirit intercedes for us and he interprets our groanings that are too deep for words. So if that's a, that's an understanding that he has of us that may be hard for us to fathom. But at the same time, you know, like this is a, this is an imperfect example. Um, 
kind of compares us to dogs, although I don't know that that's wrong sometimes if you think about it. But like when you have a dog that is hurting, is uncomfortable or something, and you know that dog, you're able to look at it and tell something's wrong, even though you can't speak to that dog audibly and, and tell what they're feeling. And it's only because you have that relationship with your pet that you're able to say, hey, this is probably what he's going through. I need to help him out. And again, I don't mean to uh, talk about us like we're dogs, but I think that's a good explanation. Well, the dog um, compares us yeah. to sheep a lot. That's true. They're yeah. Dogs. So, yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> so. yeah, I'd rather be a dog than a sheep. <laughs> but just imagine like that relationship we have with the spirit. Like if you're in a courtroom and you're trying to explain yourself or defend yourself, could there be any greater representation than the Holy Spirit who's one with God? God and the Spirit are one. They are united. So our judge and God is also our helper and our defense. And that's a, that would be a pretty great situation to be in if you think about it. If you're accused of a crime and the person who is your representation is also the one that makes the decision, you'd probably feel pretty good about your chances. So that should take the pressure off of us to feel like we have to go through this pain alone. Our God has promised to be with us, and he's promised to help us, to be near to us, to allow us to seek refuge in him. And so that's something that <clears throat> we can count on, that our God is not, like we've said several times before, a God that is floating out on the clouds somewhere, and he doesn't care about you, doesn't want to hear about your pain. He is near, he's intimate, and he loves you, and he wants you to know that you can rely on him and he knows your heart. So you have something to add? Yeah, to I mean, just this that. morning, man, I know you're about <clears> to read <throat> from the Psalms here, a different Psalm in just a minute, but I was reading this morning and uh, it was Psalms 3. It says, O oh Lord, how many are my foes? Many are rising against me. Many are saying of my soul, there is no salvation for him in God. Selah. I don't know what Selah means. It's some kind of... I think it's a pause, a rest. Okay, I think so this is. is like music. Yeah, mm -hmm. I guess like yeah. lyrics. It says, but you, O Lord, are a shield about me, my glory and the lifter of my head. I cried aloud to the Lord, and he answered me from his holy hill. I lay down and slept. I woke again, for the Lord sustained me. And it, it kind of goes on to, to say some more where this Psalm of David said, it said when he fled from Absalom, his son, so his son was mm -hmm. coming after him. You know, he's got this army kind of chasing him. And obviously he's very distressed. And then he's you know crying out to God. And lamenting that, you know, man, all these people are after me, but God, you're the one that's going to sustain me. Like you, you, you know, you're there with me. You lift my head, right? Mm -hmm. You ever felt so depressed and down, you couldn't even lift your head and look people in the eye. Well, God says, mm -hmm. hey, I'll lift your head up. Mm -hmm. I'll help you hold your shoulders back and walk straight and walk tall. And um, God sustains us. Mm -hmm. and so, yeah, I love that verse. I think it fits right into what we're talking about. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like we said, you know. God sustains us and he's near to us when we're suffering. Psalm 34, 17 through 18 says, The righteous cry out and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. So our Heavenly Father is nearby when we're at our low points. I'm going to say this. Uh, going through what we're talking about here, hmm. losing the child, how many days did you feel brokenhearted and hmm. crushed in spirit, hmm. right? So this verse might be one that you want to like write on a, you know, note mm -hmm. card and mm -hmm. like have in your car, or you might have it somewhere on the notes in your phone. So when those days mm -hmm. when you're like feeling the lowest of the low, 
you get that verse out and you read it just mm-hmm. to remind you that the Lord hears you, he's with you, he's close to you, and he saves you when you're crushed in spirit. Mm-hmm. And like you said there, Gabe, like the person who's writing these Psalms, Psalm 3, and, and this Psalm, I believe, is, is also about David, 34. This isn't a guy, like David was a king, and part of his life, I'm sure, was he was comfortable and he wasn't suffering. But this wasn't a guy who just like was born with a silver spoon in his mouth and things were great and he never experienced suffering. Like if you've read the Bible, you know the story of David. He was the younger brother, so he wasn't esteemed as a child. He became, he was anointed as king, but he spent, I think, 15 years before actually becoming the king, being chased by Saul, became a king. His son rebelled against him. The Philistines were against him. He had to leave his his uh, palace several times. He lost wives. There's just so many different things that happen in David's life. So this isn't a guy that <clears throat> is just sitting in his ivory tower telling you, don't feel bad, don't have a broken heart. Like mm-hmm. He's speaking these things out of true and sincere pain. And like we've mentioned before, David also lost a child that was uh, an infant. So David knows this pain particularly, and he knows pain in general in a lot of ways that we'll probably never have to deal with. So if he's going through this and expressing this, you know that he would be able to commiserate with you in this pain if he were here and you were talking with him. So our Heavenly Father is nearby, like we said, at our low points. And when I was thinking about this and, and making these notes, I thought of this example, and I don't know... I think I've heard like some critiques of it and how it's not exactly theologically accurate. So we try to make this a theologically accurate podcast. So bear with me or uh, shoot me an angry uh, no, direct it's a message. Good example, if you, yeah. it's, it's a poem. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That's it's, what it's that's from. Where it's it's okay. called Footsteps in the Sand. Okay. So, yeah. Well, maybe you should tell it if you nope. know better you than me. <laughs> okay. You, you don't want to tell my imperfect uh-huh. no. example. Yeah. So there's just the story or the, the poem here that I remember hearing when I was younger that like talks about a man who's walking along a beach and like when things are good, he can look back or look down and he sees two sets of footprints and the footprints are his own footprints and God's. And when he goes through great suffering, he looks back or he can look down and he sees that there's only one set of footprints. So he accuses God and he's like, man, why are you abandoning me in this time where like things were good and you were beside me, but now when things are tough, you're just, you know, you're going to leave me here alone to deal with it myself. And God, with compassion, tells the man, the only reason there's a single set of footprints during the bad times is because I was carrying you through the worst times. So that's something that I guess made a bigger impression on me than I thought since I haven't thought about that in years. And when I, when I sit down and, and start thinking about this issue, it comes back. But even if that's an imperfect example, and I may not be telling the story correctly, the point stands that in the pain of losing a child in the pain of, of a divorce of lost job of whatever it is, you might feel like God's abandoned you because you don't feel like things are going well. And maybe you associated God's nearness with life being good, but his mercy is still there. His comfort is there for you and he's your refuge and he's never going to forsake you. So I think that's a, an important thing to remember for me and hopefully for you too, that when you are suffering, if there's only a single set of footprints there, it's because God's carrying you, not because he's abandoned you. So that's, that's good. Yeah. And, you, yeah. and that is a poem. It's called footprints in the sand, footsteps in the sand. Mm. 
probably you saw that like hanging on the wall in your grandma's house. Mm-hmm, most probably. likely, it's like yeah. I think every every person over sixty mm-hmm. years old probably has a picture mm-hmm. that had like. Maybe I need to home. get it. It stuck with me. Maybe I need <laughs> to get right. it for my kids and grandkids. Yeah. That's right. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's that's something that you know I guess, it, and that could be a larger point that we don't have to get into. But like it says in in the Torah in the in the first five books of the Bible, God instructs the Israelites to to hide his word in their hearts and to like tie his word and write it on a write it on a piece of paper and put it on your wrist or put it I think the the ancient Israelites would wear like this I think they called it a phylactery but it was like a headband with a little box that had scripture in it and it was just like a, a reminder this is the word of the Lord and when you see that little box or you see a scripture reference or something you think Oh, the Lord is with me. He's carrying me through my pain. He's near to the brokenhearted. And that might sound weird to you to wear a headband with scripture in it. And maybe that would be a little weird in our culture. But like Gabe said earlier, have a sticky note and put it on your, your computer at work or have some notes in your phone. Or even you could, I, I play with the name of my alarm sometimes. You could just change an alarm name to Psalm 34, whatever that was, 17 and 18. And if that helps you remember that the Lord is near to the brokenhearted, that's a great thing. And that's something that would be real easy to change and and just encourage yourself to draw close to the Lord and to remember his word. I'm going to read that right there, what you're talking about. <clears throat> and David talks about it too in the Psalms. says, I've mm-hmm. hidden your word in my heart that I might mm-hmm. not sin against you. And then but this was from Deuteronomy chapter 6. So hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Mm-hmm. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And these words that I commanded you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your mm-hmm. children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as fontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. And again, the thought there is like, let's have the word constantly before us. So that way it's a reminder of who God is, who we are in relation to the Lord and how much he loves us. Mm-hmm. Right. Like that's, you know, words are powerful. Right. That's why God gave us his written word. That's why he suggests or commands this even in Deuteronomy to the, to the Israelites. And that's a great command for us too is because, you know, we become what we think about. You know, mm-hmm. we the, the only difference between us now and five years from now will be the people we hang out with and the books we read, mm-hmm. right? I mean, it's what type of words are coming into our, our mind and into our heart. If they're coming mm-hmm. into our mind, into our ears, they're going to go into our heart, particularly if we hear them repetitively. That's why when you're studying for a test, you keep going over it, keep going over it, keep going over it until you learn it and it becomes part of you. So it shouldn't... God's word be the same. Like mm-hmm. we are faced with a test every day. That test is called life. Mm-hmm. As the theologian Prince said, all right, what he say? something about welcome to this thing called life, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. so that and that's the test, right? So we gotta be ready for that test. How are we ready mm-hmm. for the test of life is that we have God's word hidden in our hearts. Mm-hmm. So that way no matter what no matter what we face, mm-hmm. good times or bad times, the, the blessings of a healthy birth, the tragedy of a of a lost child. You know the, the blessings of an, an amazing job, the, the the tragedy of losing a job, right? Like all the whatever we face, like we're ready for it because we've hidden God's word in our heart, mm-hmm. and 
that'll make a difference. You know, I, I remember, I hate to say this, but as a kid, you know, I was, uh, you know, young in my faith and, and, and making some poor decisions and what I would be listening to or watching, you know, and those words of those, you know, some of those old, you know, rap albums from back in the day, mm-hmm. like those, unfortunately, are still hidden in my mind. Like mm-hmm. I can quote Ice-T lyrics or NWA lyrics that I wish I did not have mm-hmm. in my mind, right? Yeah. Because I listened to them so much. You mm-hmm. know, what if I had been listening to God's Word song, you mm-hmm. know, instead of that trash? Yeah. Um, and so that's where having His Word in our heart is going to make a, a big difference. Mm-hmm. So anyway, that's kind of a digression. But yeah, no, I mean, that's the importance of having God's word in your heart, I think is something that it would be hard to overstate, if not impossible. Mm. And we were what at 16 minutes here, 17 minutes, we could have had 17 minutes just about how important that is. And we would not even come close to having enough about it. Mm. So why, why would you want God's word in your heart? Why would you want to trust God? And why, why can we trust God? We talked about how he's near to us. He's near to the brokenhearted, but also like people in our circumstance who have lost a child, uh, whatever age, like God directly knows that pain because he saw his own son die. And we think of our, our infants as innocent as, you know, that's our, we'll get into, you know, what is innocence and original sin and all that. But, God's son was innocent, like completely and wholly innocent. He wasn't tainted by original sin. He didn't have a a greedy thought, a lustful thought, a angry thought that wasn't righteous anger. And God didn't just see his son die and he was unable to do anything about it. He ordained, planned, and, and allowed his son to come to earth live a life for 30, 33 years, and then go and suffer the torture, suffer a humiliating trial, and then be hung on a cross to death and be dead for three days and then be resurrected. And that's that's hard enough to believe by itself, but also like God, as far as I understand, actually poured out his wrath on Jesus mm-hmm. because of his love and mercy for us. And that's something that as humans, it's really hard to imagine what that's like. And I guess what kind of love that is. Like we think, like certainly the love for a parent, from a parent for a child is a good love. But to imagine having so much love in your heart that you would, in in that situation, pour out the justice and wrath on your child for the good of everyone else in the world that was still to come. That's something that we as, as limited beings, I don't think can really wrap our minds around. And even if we can, to a certain extent, like, I don't know, imagine like if you could, if you had to sacrifice your child to save one city of a hundred thousand people, like probably most of us wouldn't do that. If not, all of us wouldn't do that. And obviously that wouldn't, it's not a good example because our children aren't innocent there's not a situation where that would actually happen and we're not God. We don't have the foresight. We don't have the ability to allow someone's death to pay for other people's sins. Excuse me. But God loves us enough that he allowed his son to die 
And it's hard enough for us to deal with the pain and grief we feel because our children died. We were unable to help them. But God loved us, a world full of broken and sinful people enough that he sent his only son to be glorified in death and resurrection so that we could have salvation through him when he took on our punishment. So this is a love that we can't understand, like we said, until we're in heaven with God. But we can see proof of it and evidence of it all throughout the Bible. Like we just continue to mention, if, you, if you've uh, listened to this point in the podcast, you know, we think God is pretty good and God is pretty loving. It's not an idea I came up with or Gabe came up with. It's the story of the Bible. Um, just to jump through it quickly here, like God promised, I guess you could play with interpretations. I'm not a, a biblical scholar, but God promised Adam and Eve that if they ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that they would surely die. And they did anyway. And instead of God killing them immediately, he banished them from the garden and allowed them to go out and die elsewhere in the world rather than just ending humanity right there like he had the right to do. You go a little further, and instead of killing Noah and his family as humans who were tainted by that original sin, he loved them and he loved humanity enough to spare that family, even though he wiped out the rest of the world with a flood, and to build another humanity through Noah and his family he led his people out of slavery in Egypt. And he knew that they would turn against him. And like we talked about in, in episode 17, they would turn around and have idols that they would put in place of him and worship him. And still, he loved them enough to bring them out of Egypt to continually forgive them throughout the whole history of ancient Israel, where they just would turn away, be conquered by someone. God would would free them from that oppression. They would trust him and serve him for a little while. Then they'd go through the whole cycle again and get comfortable and going back through and worshiping other idols. And God didn't abandon them and give them up because of that. He continued loving them and continued pursuing them. And ultimately, like we said, sent his son to die on a cross for these people who betrayed him, who hated him, who forgot he exists, who cursed him and worshiped other lesser beings as gods. So our God's proven his love time and time and time again. And we are just proving ourselves to be fools when we question whether or not he does love us or can love us. It's obvious from the Bible that God loves the poor, the weak, the brokenhearted, and the suffering, and he's near to us. So why would you choose not to trust him with your grief now in what's probably the hardest time of your life? It's, uh, it seems, when you lay it out that way, it seems pretty dumb to not come to God in your grief. So do you have anything to add there, Gabe, before we wrap uh, this first episode up? I love up? that. I mean, I just think, like you said, dude, that is like, I mean, when you look at it rationally like that, mm-hmm. it's like, how can we not understand that God loves us, mm-hmm. right? I mean, it just because something's tough happening to us, that does not mean that there's not, that doesn't mean there's an absence of love. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, like, even discipline our kids. Like, you haven't got to this stage of your life yet because you still got a little, little bitty, little bitty baby. Um, but you know, like, you have to do that as a parent, and it doesn't mean in any way that you don't love them. In fact, it doesn't mean that you do love them. You know, that's why you're allowing them to go through the pain of not getting a cookie before dinner. Mm-hmm. You know, not because you hate your kid or because you're mad at them. 
uh, it's because you know that it's best that they eat good nutritious food before they fill their belly with a bunch mm -hmm. of junk, mm -hmm. right? And at the time, the kid thinks you're the worst parent ever, you know, mm -hmm. because you're, but really, you know the real reason for that. And mm -hmm. so I think we just need to keep that before us that God's history is of love. Mm -hmm. That's the whole Bible is that one giant love story. Mm -hmm. And no matter what we might be going through, it's because God loves us and he's going to redeem that situation if we only allow him. Now, look, that Romans 8, 28, which we talked about in the time podcast before, was, you know, for all things work together for the good of those who love God and who have been called according to his purpose. Like, so you got to understand that if you're listening to this and you do not have a relationship with Christ, then God is working your life to try to draw you into that relationship with him. And it, he might be putting you through some tough stuff. For instance, I heard the story yesterday right here in our town. Some crazy senseless psychopath shot some shot at some uh, dudes that were working for the waterworks and then went and, and, and shot and killed a, a, a guy that worked for the cable company hmm. apparently psycho mad about his cable bill or something like that just started shooting up whoever was working on stuff in his uh, in his neighborhood there and one of the dudes that got shot at was a, 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 a nephew of somebody I know that we go to church with hmm. and she was telling me that She's like, you know, just the day before he had spoke with his dad about how he felt like, you know, he hadn't been close to the Lord in forever. He needed to get back to church and and wanted to kind of get his relationship back with the Lord. And then the next day, he almost loses his life, mm. you know, gets getting shot at, having to jump down in a sewage ditch um, to, you know, to save himself. And some of his friends got shot. Mm. And, uh, man, if that's not a wake-up call, you know, I don't know what is. Mm. And so... God sometimes will orchestrate things, uh, or he will always orchestrate things to try to draw us near to him. So if you're not in that relationship with him, then maybe stuff's not working out for you good right now because you don't love the Lord and because you are not you know, necessarily in his will or seeking after his will. But that can change. Mm. Like you can change and decide that, hey, I want to have a relationship with the Lord. I want to be forgiven. I want to have him as my savior. And then... From that moment on, even difficult times um, are are going to be definitely worked in your favor. Mm -hmm. And right now, even the difficult times are working so that way God draws you to him. Like that's his desire. His desire is not that any of us should perish. That's what his word says. His desire is that we all come to know him and we all have a relationship with him. But again, he gives us that free will and that ability to choose. Mm -hmm. And so... Remember that it it just makes more sense that we that we believe His word, we believe that God is love, and that we choose to allow Him to comfort us through these times of grief. Mm. Yeah. So yeah. Good word, man. That's where I'm at. All right. So we'll wrap up today's uh, episode. Again, this was episode 18. We'll do episode 19, kind of following this up. Where this episode again, we we said, you know, who, who understands my pain? Well, number one, God knows our pain. Second episode, we're going to get into where other guys know your pain. And so that's another place where we can can gather some uh, some comfort, strength, hope, and encouragement. So we'll get that into that in episode 19. So thank you all for joining us today. Make sure you follow Lost Boys, the Found Fathers, on our uh, social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. You can also check out my book at thywillbedonebook.com. Let's not be lost. Let's be found in him.